Good morning, everyone. Greet you in Jesus' name. And on this uh, first Sunday of 2020, we're going to think about an attribute of God's. And in Joshua 22, there is a, a profound and great truth, theological truth, stated about God. And it is this, the Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knoweth. And this was in the middle of this little story just after the children of Israel had crossed into the promised land and two and a half tribes had stayed in the east. And the tribes in the east side of the Jordan River had uh, built an altar. They called it an altar of testimony. But to the uh, tribes on the west who saw this altar appear on the opposite shore, there was a great suspicion that these people had gone apostate and were serving God in a, or serving something in a unique way and not the way God had commanded. And it distressed them very much, enough so that they thought maybe they would have to go over and chasten them with the sword. And uh, so a delegation went over there and asked them, what is going on? And the people on the east side were distressed that the people from the west were disturbed about this. And they said this, that the Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knoweth, and you'll know pretty soon. But he already knows we're innocent. This is only an altar of testimony to remind us who we are and who we belong to and that we worship the true God and we worship in the way he commanded us to. So everybody was happy at that point. But this great truth, the Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knoweth. That's one of God's attributes, that he knows everything. The theologians term it omniscience, that he knows the past, he knows the present, and he knows the future. And that's just um, completely beyond our comprehension. It's beyond mine. And it's one of the things that places God uh, so far above our finite limitations. We know now, kind of, we know things that are close to us, that have happened to us. Um, we have our perspective sometimes on things about now. And we know uh, some snatches of history, things that we've been told and things that we've experienced and uh, that we uh, have read in different places. And uh, we can think we know a little about the future, uh, just thinking of uh, our plans and what we think might happen. Uh, but there's little 
that we know about our own remaining days on earth. We, we just don't know what's going to happen or how many there are going to be, how many there will be. But God knows vastly and completely. And I thought about the name of God, I Am, that describes his, uh, the eternity of God, which is another attribute of God's. I know could uh, describe his omniscience. I know. And um, the Hebrews said, he knoweth, God knows. God does not learn. Have you thought about that? God does not learn things. He does not discover God knows. He's never a student like we are students. He's not an explorer like man is an explorer. Now the omniscience of God is not his only attribute. There are numerous wonderful attributes of God. Uh, Love, mercy, justice, holiness, wisdom, Omnipotence, being all-powerful. Omnipresent, being everywhere at once. And his omniscience that we were just talking about and more. And they're all part of who God is and attributes that make him the wonderful God that we worship, who is worthy of our worship and our love. If he was a God of only one or two or a few uh, attributes, uh, he could be a very disappointing God or an untrustworthy God, an ineffective God, a scary or terrifying God. If God was all love and kindness, as perfectly love and kind as he could, as, as anything could possibly be, but had no power. He would be a God of, of good motives and good intentions, but he wouldn't get very much done, and we couldn't uh, trust ourselves to him. If he was all power and there was little love or little wisdom, there might be performance. He might do great and mighty things, but he might do them recklessly or haphazardly and do great harm. So that would be a terrifying God. But the God we're talking about uh, has many wonderful and perfect attributes, and uh, he is worthy of our love and our worship. So, but we're thinking especially about his omniscience this morning and um, thinking of the things that he knows and how, he, how well he knows them. We were talking about the creation this morning in those first couple of chapters of Genesis. And he knows his creation. Not surprising. He knows his creation, the whole universe. Psalm 147 Verse 4, he telleth the number of the stars. 
he calleth them all by their names. So he knows how many there are, and he has a name for them, this would uh, lead us to believe. And I'm sure you've all looked up at the stars on a crisp, clear night. And um, last night, uh, I was up in the middle of the night, and the sky had pretty well cleared off, and I was standing at the living room window. Uh, The moon was just setting in the west. It's approaching full, and um, but I could see stars, the bright stars. My vision isn't so great uh, right now. I didn't have my glasses on, but I could see stars, and I've enjoyed often uh, watching the stars. And I thought about Abraham out there on uh, on the dark in the dark skies, under the dark skies. Uh, watching the stars that Jesus, that God talked to him about. There are so many of them. And if you get to real dark places, you see more than you do around here, many more. If you look through binoculars, you see there are many more that you don't see with the naked eye. And a telescope will bring in even more. And all the individual stars that you see when you look up in the night sky are part of the Milky Way, which is our galaxy. And there are, there's a galaxy or two that you can see with the naked eye. But uh, astronomers have said that there are as many galaxies as there are stars, they think. So we have no idea how many stars there are in our galaxy, or how many galaxies there are out there, and how vast this universe is that God knows all about. But the crown of God's creation is man, and um, that doesn't mean that man is so special in himself, but he's special to God, and he exists on earth, and it is here that his focus particularly rests uh, from what we gather and learn from the Bible. And the earth is just a little speck uh, in this vast universe, and if you've happened to have seen any of the photographs uh, taken by um, spacecraft, that are leaving our solar system and are way millions and millions of miles from the earth and a picture back toward the earth. And you see uh, a little spot that is the sun and somebody points out that this very tiny speck is the earth. And on that speck, and this speck seems pretty large to us here, Uh, The earth seems pretty large, and we are a very, very insignificant, minute speck uh, part of that. Uh, Certainly very insignificant considering the scale of the universe. And in all that vast universe, uh, God sees. And there is no place 
on this big earth that man can hide or is unnoticed by God. In Psalm 139, it talks about the darkness and uh, the psalmist said in verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Nothing hidden. In Hebrews 4, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. No creature that is not manifest in his sight. Now, what does God see? What does God see as he uh, looks? What does God know about us? Well, the Bible tells us that he knows uh, physical details about us. In that same chapter of Psalm 139, a couple verses later, 15, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect or incomplete. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them, like even before I was conceived, that God knew just how I was going to be made. He had a plan for how I would be made even before birth, before conception. That's a lot of stuff in a database, a lot of information. Matthew 10, 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father knowing it, is the thought there. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, there are, there are over uh, seven and a half billion people in the world. Uh, that was, it's, it may be approaching eight billion by now. I'm not sure. This was uh, uh, nine, uh, 2017. Seven and a half billion heads of hair, most of them anyway, have hair in the world. And... Uh, I tried to look up how many sparrows there are. And they're not sure about sparrows. They don't do careful senses of sparrows, apparently. Though a couple of years ago, there was a project, I think it was begun in India, the Great Sparrow Count. And they wanted to do a, try to figure out how many there might be. And they really don't know. There are uh, 24 species of sparrows, at least, that number uh, is debated. And the, about, uh, there are billions of sparrows. There may be as many sparrows as there are people, but they're, they're not sure. And uh, so that's a lot of information to keep up with, you know, thinking about one of those sparrows falling to the ground, dying, 
flying into a window or getting smacked by a hawk. And God knows. And um, that our heads would matter that much. The hairs of our head would be of that would be of interest to God that he knows this. I read of a um, celebrity. I don't remember his name. I didn't know him, his name. I don't remember if I'd ever heard of him before. But he was famous to some people enough that he's called a celebrity. But this article was about a hobby of his. He likes to make model air, a model plane, uh, trains, if I can say it. You know, the big layout with the tracks and the train and the bridges and the little towns and the crossings and the roads and traffic, uh, vehicles on the road and everything. And he said, and he had a, it was a big thing, I don't know how big, but he said the, the thing that fascinates him the most about it is the detail. You know, the lanterns on the lampposts and the details on the vehicles and, of course, on the trains and the crossings and all these things. The details mattered a lot and were of great interest to him. He wanted to get it right. And I think about uh, God. I, I suspect that we underestimate the how completely and in what minute detail he is interested in his creation. And he certainly put, um, there's a terrific amount of design and in place in, in the creation from the, the very microscopic to the gigantic um, intergalactic and spaces, just a tremendous design, thought, if you can say it that way, put into the creation. And I am being impressed more that God who created this, and like it was said in this morning in the Sunday school class in Genesis, how he brooded over the, uh, his spirit brooded over the, the unformed earth, that he broods over his creation and uh, very interested in all those details. So he knows our physical details. He knows our frailties. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. He sees our makeup. He sees our mortality. He sees our nature, our personalities, our struggles, our tendencies. He sees the tragic effects of sin on us. In Hebrews 4, 15, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So we've just come through the Christmas season and we heard the name Emmanuel, God with us. And God came to earth uh, not only to redeem us, 
but to show us that he understood, he knows. He didn't have to be here and experience life on earth to learn it, to understand it, but he knew it. But he came to show us that he knew and that he cared. He knows our thoughts and words, our motives. In uh, Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings 8, verse 39, Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and forgive, and do, and give to every man according to his ways, whose heart thou knowest. For thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of men. God knows our hearts. And in a message to uh, Jerusalem, wicked Jerusalem at the time, Ezekiel the prophet said in Ezekiel 11, verse 5, And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said unto me, Speak, thus saith the Lord, Thus have ye said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. Psalm 139, O Lord, thou hast searched and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising, Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. We, we sing that Isaac Watts song. Sometimes uh, it's uh, song 45 in the hymnal. Lord, thou hast searched and seen me through. God knows. And then he knows our, even before we think, he knows our behavior and our deeds. O God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from thee. Psalm 69, 5. God to Cain, where is your brother? Where is your brother? God knew where Abel was lying, dead on the ground. Why is your countenance fallen? Behold, sin lieth at the door, God said to Cain. God knew. To the woman at the well, Jesus said, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that, in that saidst thou truly. In 1 Timothy 5, uh, verses 24 and 25, some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise also, the good works of some are manifest beforehand, 
and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Some sins, uh, some good works are obvious, and some are not to man, but God knows them all, every one. So God knows us. He knows our physical details. He knows our frailties. He knows our thoughts and words even before they come to our minds. He knows how we act. God also knows what we need. And he's not just an onlooker. He knows our material needs. In Psalm 6 on the Sermon on the Mount, or rather Matthew 6 on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said not to worry for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. And then he said, these things shall be added unto you. Most importantly, uh, he knows our greatest need. He knew our greatest need, which is our spiritual need, that of salvation. He knew that, and he provided for it beforehand. <clears throat> In Matthew 25, verse 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. In Ephesians 1 verse 4, He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. And in 1 Peter 1, 19 and 20, speaking of our salvation by, with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Nothing, nothing is a surprise to God. God is never surprised. And God is never unprepared. God didn't uh, lay awake at night wondering after the creation. Now what if Adam and Eve, what if Adam and Eve don't obey? He didn't. He knew the whole the whole history of man. And he had a provision in place before the foundation of the world. Provision made and in place before the need arises. Our, our brains, our minds aren't coupled with whatever dimension um, looks into the future. We can only predict on the basis of accumulated experience um, and intuition. So clouds are dark and there's thunder and there's lightning 
and we think, yeah, there'll probably be a rain. But we don't do very well uh, looking into the future. So we trust what God says about the future. God knows. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, there's a great comfort to us, a great promise. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So God knows, God sees every problem, every temptation, every trial, every frustration, every sorrow, every pain, every broken arm, broken heart, unexpected expense, financial reversal, health crisis, all those things, every conflict, every misunderstanding, every disagreement and opposition, all the hard and difficult and impossible things that we face. We call them impossible sometimes. He saw them all. He knew them all before. And this verse tells us that they were carefully and lovingly and wisely weighed and considered and purposed, meaning that they came, they were allowed with a purpose, a holy purpose, before they were allowed to come into our experience. And he provided gracious provisions for us in those times so that we can respond right and grow in character, a way to escape, grace to bear it, provision from Christ and His Spirit. So He knows, God knows. He knows our frailties, this is a promise to the redeemed. He knows where we're at spiritually. He knows our commitment. He knows our strength, weakness. And he sees these problems. He weighs these things. And he allows things with a purpose, with a plan. That's an all-knowing God. Only an all-knowing God could uh, orchestrate and move and work. And all the while, our enemy, the devil, with the information that he has and the cunning that he has and the experience that he has, he's trying to trip us up and, and um, bring us to ruin. But God says, there hath no temptation or trial taken you. 
but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. I will not allow anything to happen that, that could destroy you. I will not allow in the experience of a redeemed person something to come that will destroy you. I will always provide a way for you. I have to reach out. I have to grab a hold. I have to make some decisions and he'll help me with those. Doesn't mean I can't fall and falter. I do, we do. Another promise, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. There again, that can only work because God knows everything. And he is all-powerful and wise and loving and all those other attributes also. But God knows. He knew all those things far ahead and knew them completely and personally for each of us. God knows, God cares, God provides. So if I know the Lord, that's a... Uh, that's a great comfort. For anybody who is saved and following the Lord, to know that my heavenly Father knows, that's a great comfort. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. The Lord knoweth them that are his. 2 Timothy 2 verse 19. And so his promises are meaningful. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I am with you. I'll care for you. I know. I know. He provides help and deliverance. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God knows. He's interested. He's involved. He provides help and encouragement and gives direction. That sweet story about Hagar in the wilderness, she called on the name of the Lord that spake unto her. And she said, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Thou God seest me, you know. I'm not lost here on the earth and you don't know where I'm at and you don't know where I, what, what I'm facing. God knows. God cares. So God also exposes sin and convicts us. He doesn't just know these things, but because he's engaged, he um, convicts us. He speaks to us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. He sees our sins. He sees our need of sanctification. And our need for becoming like the Savior. 
And to those who are open and to those who are broken, he shares the truth about us, to us, for our benefit and for our blessing. And he nurtures and protects us. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 3, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. To know that God knows us completely, it shouldn't be frightening to a Christian. It's sobering. We need to be reminded that God is watching. God knows. Sometimes we're more concerned about what my neighbor Naaman will think than what God thinks. And we should care. I do care about what Naaman thinks, but uh, we should care more about what God thinks. God sees and knows us completely. And so it is sobering that in, in one way, and we, we're accountable to him. We will stand before the judge. But God intends for this to be comforting. And the psalmist said, he was praying, search my heart and let me know. And that should be our prayer. And we should desire to, uh, <clears throat> we should desire to know and conform to his will, confess, repent whatever we need to do. We don't need to hide from him in fear of judgment, but rather run to him for mercy and comfort and strength. The ungodly, the Bible tells us, don't want to know. They, they don't want to know that God knows, and they don't like the idea of God knowing. <clears throat> I've told this little story before, how when I was uh, in high school up there in Rustburg, what is now the middle school, uh, <clears throat> that I was in a second floor geometry class one afternoon. It was just after lunch, and uh, some half the high school was having lunch, and we'd already, I'd already had mine. And... Um, out the window, that upstairs window, I could see the end, you know, toward the end, toward the, the bank, there is a wing that comes out closer to the road. Uh, just a one-story wing. There's a number of classrooms in there. And out at the, there was a door in the middle of that wing out toward the street. And I could see down there at the end of the building, saw some movement. And there were several high school guys who uh, came to the corner and looked around toward the building and then stepped back. And, and pretty soon their head would come around the corner again and look back toward the main part of the building and back. I noticed what they were doing. They were smoking, which was uh, they weren't supposed to be doing. And then I noticed a second thing that was very, extremely interesting to me. On the roof, a man 
went walking out toward the end, toward the street. Uh, Mr. Frey, the principal, walked out there to the street end of that wing, and he was standing there looking over the edge and writing. He'd look down there, and then he'd straighten up and write something on a pad. And I could just imagine that he was jotting down the names of these unruly high school boys who were standing there smoking. And they would stick their head around the corner and look back toward the building and never looked up, never knew that he was up there. But sinners want darkness. And we know how ridiculous it is to think that they are hidden. It's like a child closing his eyes and reaching into a cookie jar and thinking that his mother doesn't see. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? And we read of men when Christ returns, crying out to rocks and mountains, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. They are terrified. We are seen. We are known. Like when you lift a rock sometimes, ants go scurrying away in a panic, scurrying for cover. Well, they were known all the whole time. The omniscience of God is a motivation, is a comfort. Because he is with us and he cares for us and he knows about us. We have read many times Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And other comforting scriptures similar to that, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and so on. All these wonderful things that he does in his care for us. And surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Wonderful promises. And through the scripture, that is only one. And that's only possible because God knows us and all the other attributes of God, that he knows all about us knows what we need, and he has the resources and offers the resources to supply those needs. So we know God. We're learning to know God. There's so much we have yet to learn about God's great greatness and goodness in the love chapter, near the end of the love chapter in verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. 
So we have a lot to learn. But we have a Redeemer and we have a way and we will be able to learn it. Then shall I know, even as also I am known. Shall we have a closing song?